Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Paul Blackthorn. I play Captain Quentin Lance on that TV show Arrow. And you are listening to DC Primetime on Next Level. Enjoy. Issue 12 of DC Primetime is now officially on podcast stands, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We saw the end of Casket Watch, and we add a couple more days to the uh, last incident since Barista. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, One week without incident. One Yay. week. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And as I said, we have two shows on break this week, that being Supergirl and Flash. Uh, But we're going to see a return of at least Supergirl next week. And this week we had Arrow episode four or season four, episode 18 uh, to discuss as well as DC's Legends of Tomorrow season one, episode 10. So let's get right into things. Oh, and as well as a film that we watched as well. But let's get into things and kick things off with DC Bullet Points, where we give you our ranking of this week's episodes from Sidekick to Legend. Starting off with, as I mentioned, Arrow Season 4, Episode 18. Oh, first off, special thanks to to, um, Paul Blackthorne for that promo you heard in the very beginning of the of the issue. Yeah, it was very awesome that you got a chance to do that for us when you guys talked. Yeah, we got to uh, interview him for one of our other podcasts, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the issue. Uh, But special thanks for him for doing that promo for this podcast, which was really, really cool. And he's very open to coming on this podcast, possibly over the summer while the shows are on break, too. So, uh, But again, we'll have more details about that towards the end of the podcast, so make sure you stick around for the whole thing. But as I'd mentioned, Arrow, Season 4, Episode 18, titled 1159. Oliver and Diggle find out Merlin wants to break Dark out of prison, and Laurel gets a surprise offer. Really doesn't say much as far as what happened in this episode. Uh, but just for our rankings, Rob, what will you give this one? Uh, this week, I this was actually really tricky for me. Uh, I think this is the, the rating I struggled with the most. Um and after a lot of deliberation, I'm going to end this one on a hero. All right. Uh, I am actually going to give this one a legend. Uh, there's a lot of great things about this episode that I really enjoyed. And a couple, of, obviously, one big thing that I didn't. But uh, we'll get into more details about that as we break down the episode a little bit later. Uh, but next, we have Legends of Tomorrow, Season 1, Episode 10, titled Progeny. The team is divided over killing a 14-year-old boy who will grow to be a powerful ally for Savage. Uh, rating on this one, Rob. Uh, I give this a uh, a lucky five-leaf clover out of uh, Hero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, there's a there's a nice future Ramanad in there uh, because they did something this week that kind of made me chuckle a little bit. So, But I will say Hero. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with this one. This one's a, a Hero ranking for me as well. Not um not super great, but nothing 
to be disappointed about with this episode. Uh, still a lot of great things about that. And finally, the movie that we previewed this week, we had mentioned last week we were going to do, uh, was the brand new DC Universe original movie, Justice League versus Teen Titans, uh, which is the newest iteration in the animated films from DC's, uh, from DC's library. Uh, Rob, what will you give this one? Uh, this, I'm actually going to say legend right off the bat. I loved it. Yeah, same boat. Uh, legend for me is this one as well. I actually just finished watching it right before we started recording. So it's fresh in my mind, so hopefully that'll come in handy a little bit later. Uh, but let's get into the next segment where we do DC um, uh, Secret Origins, where we break down each episode and make predictions and such like that, which I don't really think there's any predictions to be made this week. Oh, there might be a couple, uh, but jumping back to Arrow season four, episode 18, 1159, as we had mentioned, Oliver and Diggle find out Merlin wanted to break dark out of prison. Laurel gets a surprise offer and the casket watch officially comes to an end. I, I don't know why we were calling it casket watch. It I don't know. I forget. I forget where that started. It should have been grave watch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it, you know, it lived on. So a lot of things happened in this episode. Obviously, we gave you the spoiler last week. Uh, if you listened to that section, we gave you the option to jump over it if you didn't want to know. Uh, but the biggest thing that happened this week is a death of a major character, which uh, we'll save who the actual death is since it's the end of the episode. Uh, but a lot of things did happen this week. I mean, we found out. Let's see. What are some of the points that I have here? Uh, Oliver Queen could still be mayor, for starters. Yeah, uh, he he took a large chunk of the right in. He took about a forty percent. Uh, I think they said. I think it was like forty forty six percent, forty eight percent, something like that. Is I think what it came in at something like that. Yes. Where if something now happens to Dark's wife, uh, he could potentially be mayor, which I think is something they might explore because doesn't that eventually do? Doesn't that eventually happen in the comic books? It does. It does happen. He does become mayor. So. Um, but let's talk about, you know, you gave this a hero, I gave this a legend. Other than the obvious major character death, what do you think some of the high points of this episode were? Um, you know, like I said, I, I I did like seeing Dark and Malcolm playing off each other. They do seem like they have a lot of fun together. Um, so, I mean, I got to say that's that's a really large uptick. Um, you know, all in all, though, like I said, again, we, we got a lot of flashback stuff this week. Um, and it's a lot of flashback I still didn't really care about. We did see, like, the link. Obviously, you know, we're talking about the uh, the the totem that Dark has is uh, the big part of that. But, I mean, for the most part, though, I, I think this episode stretched out an idea throughout most of it just building up to the very end. So I don't think as much really happened with the exception of Dark breaking out of prison. Uh, and then we had the whole betrayal from... Uh, Andy, um, which everybody kind of saw coming from the other week, which was a shame. Um, I think we're going to it's going to start seeing some we're going to see some characters, I think, slip backwards a little bit because of all this. Diggle and, in uh, particular. Yeah. And um, I feel like we've already done that this season. So, uh, you know, it's one of the things that's making me a little frustrated again. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, we didn't also oddly enough, you know, which I'm not going to complain about. We didn't see Felicity this week, uh, except until the very end. Um, they actually focused on Oliver for the most part, which was a surprise um, because they don't seem like they like to do that too much anymore. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was a very interesting week. Yeah, I'm 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 on board with you for some of those points. Uh, you know, 
I am making it seem like a lot more happened than actually did. As you, as I had mentioned, there really on there really on were only a couple points. As you had mentioned, we saw Andy's portrayal of the team, uh, but I I did like the pacing of this episode for starters, and I thought there were a lot of great fight scenes, Laurel included. We haven't seen a good Laurel fight in a while. Well, they had to get it in today. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they did. They um, had to get it in that episode. So we saw a lot of nice moments with her. And I, when I was watching this episode, I was like, where was this the last couple seasons? Um, I, it was, like I said, for the most part, the episode was very well acted. Uh, like I said, it was paced incredibly well. Uh, this was, it felt like an episode at when the show was at its height, in my opinion. Um, but again, you know, we'll get to the end on why I think it didn't stick its landing. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, we did see a couple, as you had mentioned, we're going to see a couple characters, you know, take a couple steps back. Diggle being one of them, he's going to possibly blame himself for letting Andy in, uh, you know, because he fell for Andy's trick, uh, as well as the fact that I think he's probably going to take a lot of the brunt as to the guilt of the death of the main character that we saw. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Uh, I mean, if you look at the pre- the promos for next week, I mean, he seems to go off the deep end a little bit. So I don't know if you had a chance to see the promo for next week's episode. Uh, I didn't watch it, but I did kind of read the quick synopsis. Yeah. So. Uh, episode Canary Cry, which is the next episode, which is going to focus more on the aftermath of the death of this character and what it's going to mean for the rest of the team. But, I mean, we did see Diggle pull a gun on Oliver for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's threatening Andy, but Oliver or Arrow or, you know, Green Arrow was pretty much on to his tricks the entire time and nobody really wanted to believe him. So, you know, we saw, as I mentioned, Diggle pulls a gun on Oliver. We saw Damien Dark rebuild the totem, which I think was I if I had to say, I really wish we could have found another way for Diggle to, or for Dark to get his power back other than reassembling a head and you know with one piece missing i understand why they did it uh but i would have rathered him maybe find a second totem yeah something new yeah Uh, maybe something else that was a nice tie to something and it it, the one thing that's kind of frustrating me still too is it's so late in the season we still do not know what genesis is um you know it's we we don't have much knowledge of it they alluded to it very early on in the season um when you're actually in hive and you saw damien with the blueprints and all this but we we have very little knowledge yet of what Genesis is, and we're only a couple episodes from the end. Well, you know, you bring up Genesis because we haven't heard Genesis for a while. As you had mentioned, we don't know what it is. But uh, And this might be jumping forward a little bit, too, but isn't that the name of the project from Legends this week? Um, You know what? I, I don't... I... Don't think so. I, I, I actually have to look that up really fast in the background here. Because so. uh, for some reason, that's sticking out as if I heard that this week, and I know it wasn't from Arrow. Hmm. Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe there's a tie-in. There might be there, but you know, let me let me uh, kind of skim over real quick and see if I can find out. Yeah, what I mean, it and, was. And, and you know, and while you're talking about that, you know, we saw. I mean, I guess now we can get into the major death. Obviously, if you've seen the episode, you already know who it is we're talking about. And if you're listening to this episode, you know we're going to spoil it for you if you haven't. And you already heard what the synopsis is called for next week. Yes, exactly. that kind of gives it away. But we saw the death of Laura Lance, a.k.a. the Black Canary. So, I mean, we knew this last week. You know, when we recorded the podcast, we already knew from spoilers online. And and there have been reports online that the – you know, the producers and the showrunners were very disappointed that that got leaked. Um, but, you know, they did say that there was still a lot left for that episode. So, you know, it was still worth it 
to watch it. And, you know, there's been some reasoning as though they did say that it wasn't anything political or behind the scenes. They just felt character-wise that was the character from the team that would have the biggest impact. And I do kind of think they're right. I think, you know, Laurel's death kind of does have the biggest impact. Uh, but going into this week, you know, we did see, you know, Laurel get stabbed in the abdomen by Damian Dark with an arrow. Uh, one of Oliver's arrows, to be exact. Um, and, you know, she she's entered into that. She's put into the hospital and everything seems like she's going to recover. She's going to be fine. Uh, we get a big confession from Laurel before she dies where she tells Oliver, I know I'm not the love of your life, but you will always be the love of mine. Which is a nice little okay. Now we know you're gonna die because you don't yeah, make it. You know, yeah. Slash slap in the face to fans. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like I said this. I almost gave this a sidekick this week. Um, this was almost an ending point for me wanting to watch Arrow. Uh, I mean, actually, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm pretty close to that right now. Uh, I was really, really disappointed with the fact that they they did this. So. Um, I was uh, definitely one of the people that retweeted one of the uh, no Laurel, no Arrow. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh, very, very angry that they uh, they made this call. So, See, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm not there. I'm not in the same, you know, place that you are. I, mm. I, I of all anything, it's because of this, uh, this death and the way it was done at the end um, – it's it's what gave it's what had me give this episode a legend to be honest um you know because again we're on total opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to this i will honestly tell you and i have no problems admitting this we knew it was coming you and i you know particular right. and some we, of our we listeners, definitely did we knew this was coming uh but watching everything break down and everything happen everything play out uh the moment i heard the words time of death 1159 I got a little choked up. I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional. And I got even more emotional when, uh, you know, Quentin Lance comes in and realizes it for himself that his daughter is gone. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll be honest. I mean, I will say this. I do think the scene was incredibly well acted. Um, you know, it was for me, though, when you got to the Quentin thing, that that's something when something clicked in my head. And I'm like, how much more can they abuse this character? Um They've kind of turned in, him into a punching bag, I think, every season since season two. Um, and it's uh, a little disappointing uh, that they just keep using him as the kind of catalyst um, constantly. I mean, like, you know, we've had so far how many how many people in his family <laughs> killed? Like, both of his daughters now in the show. Well, that's it. And, and twice for Sarah and now, you know. So it was one of those things that was... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of tired of the fact that it's a reaction to Quentin dealing with the loss of one of his daughters. But Sarah, I mean, <clears throat> we we did see in a future episode that Sarah is going to be joining him right. at the grave. So he's technically only lost one of his daughters. It, he has. This is really his... the only person he's lost. Yeah, but at the same time, though, he's gone under the assumption for a long point in time that Sarah has been de- has died twice. Well, both on the Queen's Gambit and then also um, from the hands of Thea, from under the... Uh, you know, influence of you know Malcolm. Well, let's and, be let's be fair. The the one in the Queen's yacht that was a different actress, so that one doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't Katie Lotz, right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I uh, it's funny too because when we interviewed Paul Blackthorne, I already knew who it was that was dying, but I couldn't mm-hmm. hint at that at all. Yeah, 
So especially because the interview with with him isn't even going to be posted until technically after this podcast is posted. Mm -hmm. So everybody who listens is already going to know it before we technically did when we talked to him. And, but he did apologize. <laughs> he said, if it's a little too shocking, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't see it as using him as a punching bag. I mean, Damien Dark pretty much told him, if you betray me, I will punish you. This is his punishment. And not only did he lose a daughter, but he wasn't there to say goodbye. I mean, that's even more punishment for him. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, like for me again, my, my thought process is, uh, there was a lot of anger kind of directed to Mark Guggenheim, um, about this uh, episode. I don't know if you saw anything that was happening on Twitter the the day that this aired and afterwards. Uh, a lot of people very angry. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, I was one of them. Definitely not to the, the level of a lot of other people. I think the show still does a lot of great things. For me, it was just the idea of, um, you know, this is kind of like the, you know, I'll put it this way. Black Canary is kind of like, and Oliver Queen is kind of like the same equivalent as Lois and Clark. Um, it's just a, a big point of that character and it has been for a very very long time and i know again there's always gonna be different interpretations i've even brought that up and said hey it's smarter to be happy with different interpretations but again for me it's one of those things that's always seems weird when that's not in that character's future in some way shape or form so the fact that they did that i'm still a little more than peeved um that and because it feels like this is a character I've wanted to constantly see more of this episode. Like, hey, look, we're going to start focusing on her. And then at the, ep the end of the episode, we're going to kill her. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, um, I mean, again, my personal opinion, but. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and everybody's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. Is exactly, exactly. We're not always on the same page. And, you know, it's very interesting to see what our listeners think as well. So, I mean. Exactly. You know, as we're going through this, if you guys have any kind of opinions or anything like that you want to share, obviously email us DC primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com and we'll give you some other places to, to post as well later. Uh, but, you know, next week's episode, which it's at, now Arrow is going on break. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see Arrow return on April 27th, so a two-week hiatus for Arrow as well. Uh, but Oliver, it, episode is titled Canary Cry. Oliver and the team struggle to come to terms with Laurel's death, especially Diggle, who is overwhelmed with guilt and choosing to believe Andy had changed. Uh, meanwhile, Lance refuses to believe his daughter is really gone and asks Nessa to bring her back. So I, I think we're going to see Diggle, or not Diggle, I, I mean, other than Diggle, I think we're going to see Lance go a little dark for a while, too. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Uh, and that's, I think, again, I would have rather, I hate to say it as much as I love Paul Blackthorne, I think he would have been the bigger impact just to drive a couple characters forward. Um, I think the death of Laurel drives a lot of characters backwards. And uh, that's the one thing I wanted to see in the show was a lot more advancement of characters and not back, you know, you know, back treading. Okay. So. And I think that's the only reason I had such an issue with it is I think you would have seen kind of a kind of more of a big call to fight and I instead of a kind of a schism uh, in the team. And I think that's uh, kind of disappoints me a little bit because I was thinking we were moving into kind of like greener pastures for the show. And this was giving you an opportunity to kind of pull everybody together, get everybody on the same page, kind of cut the drama down a little bit while it's still being there and present. And uh, I think this kind of was going to have a polar opposite effect. Okay. Understood. Well, I mean, as we had mentioned last week, too, this isn't the last we're going to see of Katie Cassidy. We're going right. to see her show I mean, up as Black Siren on the season finale of Flash. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more of her as well. 
Yeah, know, I, going I mean, into the next seasons. There's a lot of rumblings that in that Canary Cry episode, somebody else has the mantle of Black Canary already. So we'll have to wait and see when that episode airs. Yep. So. Uh, but moving on now to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 1, Episode 10, titled Progeny. The team is divided over killing a 14-year-old boy who will grow to be a powerful ally for Vandal, not Randall Savage. Um, we both gave this one a hero mm-hmm. as well. Um, not, I mean, there a couple things worth mentioning in this one. Obviously, this is a very, uh, very big nod to the if you had a chance to kill baby Adolf Hitler, would you do it? Right, it, kind it's of that classic classic time time travel question. You know? Yeah, you know, it, I mean, it's pretty much that is the biggest question too when it comes to time travel. Is if would you go if you could time travel, would you go back and kill Adolf Hitler? And that's pretty much what this episode is all about. Right. Um, except it's going into the future. The only thing I was disappointed, one thing I was disappointed with this is they jumped obviously from the nineteen fifty or nineteen sixty one to the future. We saw no time effects this episode yeah it was just kind of they were just there um, they were yeah exactly but I, I i mean again not an issue but yeah kind of kind of weird because it seemed like it was like boom we just jumped it was you know makes you wonder sometimes how how much time is happening in between some of the episodes so that is a kind of a good question yeah uh but i mean you know a couple things worth noting in this episode is, is this is a big episode for dr hannibal lecter or ray palmer <laughs> um which my god jax's reaction when he said his name was Dr. Hannibal Lecter, um, that was one of the highlights of the episode for me. Yeah. And the faces he was making in the background when he said it, it's like, really? Like, that's that's the name that you're going with. All right. Right. Oh, and I apologize, too. In the beginning, I said I gave it, uh, you know, a five-leaf clover out of hero. I think, actually, I, I clicked in my head it was a seven-leaf clover out of hero. Okay. <laughs> The I knew it, reference is getting a little mixed up in my brain. Yeah. There was a little luck of the, the luck of the Friarish uh, episode. Um, it was... Uh, a nice little nod with uh, we get with uh, Ray in this, which is uh, him thinking uh, that his tech and he's responsible for kind of like the modern day of robotics in this future, which turns out not to be the case later on. So no, it's it his a, brother Sydney. Yeah, uh, Sydney Palmer. Yeah, who um, you know has never even been mentioned before in an Arrow or Flash or Legends of Tomorrow, and apparently looks identical to him. So. Yeah. Kind of curious on what when that's going to kind of come into play. That that was a, a new revelation in the show. I mean, it doesn't seem like it, it mattered much, but still, very, very new revelation in the show. Yes. Uh, we did see a character actress joining the cast, at least for this episode, uh, who, if you watch Firefly, is a big fan favorite. And that being uh, Jules Satie. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Uh, Jules Satie. So. Jules Satie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, from Firefly fame as well as a bunch of other um, great projects. But we got to see her join the cast as uh, Sydney Palmer's great, 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 great granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Ray's, even though you know, you know the fact that he had met her had Ray believing for a while that he had a kid that he was not uh, aware of. Right, and it turns out that the kid was his brother's. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it was a very much a you know. A Yancey and Fry story, it feels like, where it was uh, Ray kind of kind of getting bummed for a second. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. It's my brother's. I was like, <laughs> it's like him? Really? Him? Yeah. Yeah, it was It was like a very said, a nice uh, kind of Futurama kind of nod, it felt like, but uh, it made me smile. Yeah. There were four main four main focuses of this episode to me. Well, three main focuses uh, for this episode to me as far as characters go. Obviously, we saw a focus on Ray and... 
um, Ken, uh, Kendra's relationship. And, and Kendra's yeah. relationship, yeah, which uh, we had to focus on Kendra and uh, Falk. Well, Hawkman. I, I call him Falk because that's just his real name, Falk Henschel. Um, you know, we see all focus on their past relationship, which kind of affected the Ray and Kendra relationship. And we saw a flat out Mick versus Rory fist fight in the uh, cell. Mick versus Snart. This, God damn it. I do it every time. <laughs> I know. Mick versus Leonard. Curse you, Doctor Who. I know. Jesus. <laughs> I get so confused all the time. Not Rory. It's it is Mick Rory. It's, it's that'd be like Mick the, Rory and Leonard Snart. Yeah, that'd be like he was facing self. himself in Superman three. Exactly. Which let's not that do good. that. Yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't that good. Uh, but no, it was Mick versus Leonard. You know, um, supposed fight to the death, which doesn't end that way. Uh, but it does draw Mick back to his normal crazy, which is good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that kind of happened a little fast. Uh, they definitely let him out of that cage at the end of that episode kind of early. Um, I, was, I was a little surprised on that one. So I, I was, too. I was expecting that to be at least a couple episode arc. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the end of that. But the fact that the team was willingly let him out and trusted him already, even to a small extent, you know, uh, a little odd. <laughs> a little odd. Not, not, not going to lie on that one. Yeah. Exactly. That was, I think, out of all of uh, out of an episode of, like or a show about time travel and an episode about the future, most unbelievable thing about this episode was very much that. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that completely. Uh, what are some other highs from this episode, and then we'll get into some of the lows as well. Um, actually, I gotta say, I, I love the moment where you know Savage and a lot of the, the people from that kind of coalition in the future are shooting down the Wave Rider, then the guns are offline, and it's Jaxus. You know, how are we going to shoot back? Oh, never mind. It's cool. We've got superpowers. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for remembering sometimes in this show that, yes, you all are superheroes. You've got, you know, Firestorm, who is pretty insanely strong. You've got a Hawk Woman. <laughs> I mean, go out there and fight. You don't need guns on the ship. So the fact that they kind of brought that up and it was in this is kind of like, oh, duh. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, thank you for remembering that sometimes. Yeah. Because so, they've been a lot of situations where, like, uh, you guys can just become Firestorm. Do it. <laughs> so it was nice to see them kind of jokingly bring that up. Yeah. One complaint, though, I did have about that scene. There was a particular scene during that whole battle where Ray says, you know, I'll, I'll distract the robots. And he flies off and the robots follow him. Little too reminiscent of Iron Man 2. A um, little bit. You know, where they have the other Iron Man suits following Tony Stark. It's a little... Little too reminiscent of that, but I mean, I you really can't complain because what else are you going to do with that scene? So, uh, but yeah, I, I like the fact that we finally got to see again. Well, with the exception of a couple, you know, we got to see another group fight, which was great. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of who we were missing. Obviously, we didn't have Mick in the fight with them as well, uh, but I'm trying to think who else was missing from that battle. I want to say, obviously, Hawkman not there as well. Uh, Rip was, you know, doing his, well, like, no, he was involved near the end of it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was nice to see another big action sequence, but yeah, I know, I think everybody was present, so. Okay, yeah, well, but like I said, with the exception of Mick, who was still locked up, but for good reasons. Um, any lows, big, big lows for this episode? Uh, I think some of the relationship stuff is kind of... kind of grinded the show to a halt a little bit this week in a couple spots but uh you know it wasn't a lot i mean we got a lot of again it's flashbacks man um and sometimes i don't think they work very well in some of these shows and uh 
I think going back to the Carter Hall and Kendra storyline in the past, like we're on the 1920s point where they're in there talking to their son. I'm like, well, we know this happens. Like we've, we've seen the dynamic of that son dealing with those parents in the first two episodes, you know? So going back and having them explain that stuff, I didn't, didn't think it was very necessary. Um, we already know that's the way they feel about each other. I mean, that's a big point. Um, but it was again, nice to see the Kendra character had something to do on screen, but, uh, it was, uh, unfortunately, it was a story we already knew. So, And it was nice that we didn't hear the word barista. Yes, yes. Like all. I said, as we said at the beginning of the episode, one week without incident. Yes. I'm very excited. We, <laughs> we reset the clock last week. So if you missed last week's show, uh, the word barista was uttered. Yes. The, the, I, the horrible, 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 dirty word of, that is barista. And it's funny, too, because I've talked to a number of people about, like, what they think of the show and, and such, you know, over the course of us doing this. And the popular complaint is if I hear Kendra say she was a barista one more time, and that seems to be, you know, why we have our barista calendar clock now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what, I, you know, if we have to make a prediction for the, for the show and where it's going to end up is, uh, you know, the characters – Win in the day, a couple characters get off the wave right at the end, and Kendra goes right back to CC Jitters. She doesn't have to say it. She just has to be there. And that, that question comes into play at the end of the season for us when we're looking at this. Is uh, Even if she's working at the coffee shop, and she is a barista, but she doesn't say it. Do we reset the incident report? That's going to be the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there there are only a certain number of chairs on the wave rider. And, you know, it, they did. The producers have said that they're opening to revolving different characters, right. which means some characters will have to leave. So, I mean, at some point we do have to make a prediction. Who do we think is going to stay and who do we think is, is going to leave by the end mm-hmm. of the show? Yeah. So, uh, well, how about actually, that's a very good question for you right now. Um With where everybody is on the show, who do you want to see continue on in season two? Well, I mean, going into season two, I think um, I would love to see Leonard and Mick stay aboard. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a big dynamic with the two of them, especially now that they're butting heads instead of brothers like they used to be. Uh, But, I mean, just Leonard Snart is a favorite character of mine, so I would love to see him stay as far as that ship. Well, you saw Um, some of that brotherly connection at the end of that fight still existing. Oh, yeah. It's the question of when it's going to kind of be back to norm. Um, with the death of Laurel, uh, I know we discussed this a little bit last week. I could see Katie Lotz going back to Arrow, um, you know, because a big contention that she had with the bloodlust and everything uh, is now gone. So right. um, she's now more grounded. She's down to earth. She's more focused on her abilities. And I could see her taking up the mantle of Black Canary at some point. Yeah, I think that, that's a I think it kind of goes a little bit against the idea of her becoming White Canary, um, you know, true. It, so I, I hope she doesn't take a back step that way. I mean, I like the fact that they kind of sent here some, something a little bit new and a little bit different. Um, so I kind of hope they don't go back that direction. But I think she might bring some – this version of this character that's kind of grown through Legends, I think could bring something really positive to Arrow. So where I like her on this show and I think she works better on Legends, I can see her bringing something positive to Arrow. Okay. Uh, how about you? What, what? Who would you like to see stay and who would you like to see go? Uh, I think I really want to see Ray stick around. I really would like to see Firestorm as a whole stick around, um, at least for a little bit longer. It's because, again, we've seen a lot of fun out of Victor Garber on the show. Um, and Jax is really growing on me quite a bit. And uh, Mick and Leonard, I think uh, once the Hawk stuff is wrapped up, um, I don't think quite necessary anymore to continue them on. Uh, Sarah, as much as I like her, again, I can see her kind of moving into something a little bit different. Maybe especially after the death of Laurel, just being will be there for Quentin. Um, I think makes a lot of sense too. 
And that, that opens up a couple chairs for us. And I would love to see, uh, you know, because I brought up a couple times in the past, and I know you agree, Vixen and Constantine. Yes. And uh, we know it's either Alan Scott, sounds like, or Booster Gold. So, and that kind of fills those chairs up pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, but I mean, to our listeners, we're curious to see who you would like to see, you know, stay and who would you like to see go as well? I mean, even if it's a character we haven't even mentioned yet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you'd like to see come on board at some point as well. So, I mean, again, we'll mention the email DC primetime at next level radio online.com. Uh, let us know what you think. So, um, with that being said, obviously next week's episode, I'm very much looking forward to. I've uh, been looking forward to this episode since they made the announcement, uh, but it's going to be the episode titled The Magnificent Eight. Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex. The legends travel back to the Old West and gain the aid of a true legend, a morally ambiguous gunslinger with a penchant for danger, Jonah Hex, yeah. uh, who has been battling outlaws and gangs and happens to know a thing or two about time travel. So... um I guess the one thing we didn't mention about the end of this past episode, too, is the Hunters. Yeah. Who are going to be coming into it, which is what Mick reveals that now that he's kind of on the run from the Time ba- um, um Time Masters. Time Masters. I was going to say Time Bandits. That's a different movie. <laughs> uh, from the Time Masters, now the Hunters are after him. So, And the Hunters have no regard for what happens. They are pretty much there to kill, and that is it. Yeah, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of the... Uh, like the Green Arrow, or not Green Arrow, sorry, Green Lantern, the Manhunters kind of idea of mm. that no one escapes the Manhunters kind of vibe. So I'm very curious in seeing how that plays out. So. Yeah, but it looks like they're going to have a little help from Jonah next week mm-hmm. against the Hunters, which would be pretty damn cool. And I, I am a huge fan of Old West stuff. So I, I'm very much looking forward to this episode. If, not even for Jonah, not even just for Jonah Hex, but because it's in the West. That, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The fact that they get to play around in the Old West is something I've been very excited about for quite a while. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will mention before we go into the movie, next week's episode of Supergirl, which will be turning, will be the last of the final, will be the first of the final two episodes of the season. Uh, episode 19, Myriad, which is uh, not an indigo use mind control to make the citizens of National City their army, so Kara must find a way to save her friends. So I figure we'll just give that a quick nod since we're going to be talking about that next week. Indeed. As well. Uh, But lastly, in the DC uh, Secret Origins, we're going to talk about Justice League versus Teen Titans, the newest uh, chapter in the DC animated films. Um, I got to say with this movie, I'm starting to love more and more. I never really got into them, but I'm starting to love more and more these DC animated movies. Yeah, I really love the fact, too, that since uh, Flashpoint, everything has been tied together. Um, You know, Justice League War... Throat of Atlantis, and this is our third Justice League flick in the mix of this stuff. Uh, they have yeah, just been having a lot of fun, a lot of fun in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, again, another movie with a tremendous voice cast. Uh, you know, Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman, Shamar Moore as Cyborg, Jerry O'Connell as Superman. Uh, didn't even pick up on that until I looked at it first, and then I recognized his voice as you're we listening to it. Uh, John Bernthal as Trigon. So, I mean, another great cast, a great cast of characters in this film. I mean, I'm getting introduced to DC characters I wasn't familiar with. Uh, that being Raven, Beast Boy, Starfire. I mean, these are characters I wasn't, I had never even really heard of before. Okay. So this is kind of like some, like an introduction to some of the, uh, some of the Titans characters for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay, exactly. cool. So, which, which is another reason why I'm really liking these. I mean, these are what I 
these are what I like out of movies. I mean, I know they're animated, but this is what I like to see when it comes to the DC movies. Yeah, they give you, like I said, it's amazed, uh, amazing kind of to see that in under thir- like under 90 minutes. I think this came in at like, I think, 81 minutes or 82 minutes, give or yeah, take. I, yeah, I think it was like an hour and 17. I yeah, think. something like that. So, yeah. But, I mean, they do this amazing job of introducing you to a whole slew of characters that you don't know much about, but you feel like you have a really good grasp on them by the end. Yeah. So. Exactly. Uh, but I'll read the storyline, the synopsis for this, uh, which was uh, after his volatility botches a Justice League mission, Robin, a.k.a. Damian Wayne, is sent to work with the Teen Titans, a band of young heroes. Uh, the young team must really step up to face Trigon after he possesses the League and threatens to conquer the world. So uh, PG-13, by the way, was the rating for this movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 78 minutes was the runtime, and this is... Uh, Apparently, the first appearance of the Teen Titans in the DC animated universe film. Yeah, I think they have done a little bit in some of the Batman flicks where they've nodded to uh, Corey, which is Starfire. Um, I think you've gotten a little bit of Dick trying to set up dates and stuff. I think I've missed a couple of them, but uh, when I was kind of skimming through and reading people's thoughts about it, the fact that they kind of did finally show Coriander, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Uh, and and I thought it was funny, too, that um, apparently... Uh, are those two an item in the universe, or uh, in the old DC continuity? Uh, yeah, uh, Starfire and uh, Nightwing did have quite a bit of a fling. Uh, that was kind of like the one big thing that was going back and forth. Uh, was the big question of where Dick was going to end up? Was he going to end up with Barbara Gordon, or was he going to end up with Starfire? And uh, you know, unfortunately, none of them either ever really played out big time. So I think that's one of those lingering things for fans to be able to see these characters interact in those ways was quite a bit of fun. Okay. So, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I mean, there was a particular scene in the movie where they're, I guess they're Skyping with one another mm-hmm. uh, and just the certain screen images that were popping up with, with Dick watching and such. It was, I thought it was a nice little. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I got a good chuckle or two. It was yeah, pretty funny. Exactly. There were definitely a couple things in this movie that gave me a good chuckle, which I, I mean, and this is the thing, like I'm, I'm not criticizing any other movies, but I think these comic book movies, you have to have a little bit of humor. Uh, you know, to, to kind of offset the tone of things. I mean, there was one incident uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the film where Beast Boy and I think it was I can't remember what other character it was, but uh, they were talking to Cyborg saying, you know, maybe you should come and join the Teen Titans. And he said, no, once you get, you know, once you you join the big leagues, you kind of don't want to go back and Beast Boy turns into a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> as if like to call him a jackass, which I thought was really fun. Yeah, no, that was a that was a nice joke, and it's a, n- a good nod if you don't have a lot of old Titans uh, knowledge uh, or Teen Titans to be specific. Cyborg was always a part of that team uh, when we got the new Fifty Two reboot, and Cyborg immediately was on the Justice League. Everybody's kind of like, "Wait, what's going on here?" Because uh, again, he's always had a long, long tenure with uh, the Titans. Um, so, and uh, we got pretty close to an old school lineup, and I did love the fact that they kind of played up with that Cyborg thing at the very end of the movie too, where he uh, instead of hanging with the the big big leagues he likes to hang out in titan's tower so i thought that was kind of awesome yeah which was another nod too because i didn't know the titans had their own tower yep yep titan's tower has always been a big thing so the fact that they finally did it in this level and we got to see kind of a more adult oriented take on the teen titans not adult but still the teenager roles but uh if you're familiar with you there's uh two cartoon series teen titans go and prior to that was teen titans and uh very a little bit more slapsticky that did manage to do some very serious storylines in that that way they did the show, but it's nice to see them kind of 
treated with the same reverence that they did in the Justice League animated series. Yeah, I mean, it threw me a little bit, too, because obviously the last thing I had seen with the Teen Titans, or at least Robin and such, was Young Justice. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a totally different set of characters this time around, with the exception of Robin. Yeah, I mean, you're familiar with this Robin from things like, uh, I know you and Craig watched Bad Blood uh, a couple weeks back. Um, and it's I love the fact that they actually do have this arc that's just constantly running. Um, it's that idea that, um, you know, the, the Batman animated films that are currently in this timeline, too, you're, you're following those stories. So we're seeing, you know, that came in, uh, you know, uh, the Batman versus Robin movie. Then we had, uh, you know, uh, the whole son of son of Batman storyline and all those things. And so we're getting to see the the growth of Damian Wayne throughout all these films. And, uh, you know, for people that are not familiar with Damian Wayne, I know my wife sat down and watched the film with me. And she's like, I don't know if I like Damian. And by the end of the movie, she's like, okay, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, So yeah, exactly. Like, he's that very wonderfully brash character. And, uh, you know, this was nice to see him because, you know, Damian's had a had a very, uh, you know, he's had some, you know, tricky times in the comic series. But they've always made him be that brash kind of assholeish, you know, young kid. Who's the you know know it all, and uh, they they made something very amazing with him by the end of uh, his story before they killed him off in the books before they and then then he has since come back since then obviously because comics, but um, yeah he's a very lovable character once they kind of like got you know under underneath his skin a little bit and they kind of really showed us who he really is so and it was nice to see them kind of sum that up really nicely in the storyline yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really digging these these uh, animated films, and there's there's still a couple I have to go back on. I know one of them on my list right now is uh, uh, Flashpoint Paradox, which mm-hmm. I have not seen yet, uh, and I'm a big Flash fan, so I know that's uh, that's one I'm, I'm most likely really going to enjoy. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to that, and and I'm looking forward to any of them that they come up with in the future. I mean, because these are. Uh, I could watch these things all day. I, I could too. They're they're they've always just done an amazing job with the animated features. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of curious because again, out of the Titans characters, who was your favorite by the end of this? Are we talking about just this particular film? In this film, yeah. Uh I gotta say, I, I'm kind of torn. Um, I did like Raven. Okay. Um, but I loved Blue Beetle. Yeah, Jaime Reyes is a fun character. And they... Yeah, I mean, and this is like a version of Blue Beetle. Like, the Blue Beetle that I'm familiar with is back from the Death of Superman saga, you know. Okay, so it, it... Your, your, your Blue Beetle is Ted Kord. Yes, okay. you know, a, a, just a guy in a costume who uses technology, not a scarab that attaches to a person and gives them powers. Right. You know, so this is a little new to me, but I liked it. I really did. Yeah, it's kind of nice. If you don't know the Blue Beetle mythos, too, I mean, the original Blue Blue Beetle had the scarab. Um, you know, Ted Cord was in possession of it, but it never bonded to him. So it was something he was always had, but didn't know how to use. And uh, the fact that Jaime Reyes, after the death of Ted Cord in um, you know Infinite Crisis, um, the fact that they kind of did something with it and gave us this new character that's been fun and unique, uh, kind of almost that like a symbiote Spider Man, you know, the black suit kind of idea, and uh, yeah. kind of taking kind of taking it in a different way where it's got a mind of its own, but they work together. So. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they did a really good job with him in this. Well, I did see, I, and I did, I did tell a little bit of a fib there. I have seen this version of Blue Beetle before. Um, they actually do this version of Blue Beetle with the Scarab uh, in Smallville in an episode of Smallville. Yeah, uh, you also see this version too in Batman: Brave and the Bold, um, which was a, a, a very goofy, silly, fun show. Okay, all right. That, yeah, that's another one I haven't checked out yet, but I, I still need to check out. Mm-hmm. So many, so many animated like. F- features and films that i still have yet to catch up on 
but every one of them I've seen so far I've loved. So like I look forward to catching up on these things and I can't wait for the summer when all these shows go on break because I get to catch up on all these animated shows and films. We will will probably run the gambit and uh, get everybody up to speed Um, and uh, maybe even do an episode of why we have kind of like brought up like Justice League War. Maybe we'll do an episode where sometime in the future. Uh, of maybe doing Flashpoint Paradox and Justice League War and maybe going through the first steps of things that lead us up to this so we we can kind of look at it as, as a whole as because it is a building story. So I think that would be something fun that we can look at down the road. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, these shows are going on break in a couple of weeks for the season and for the summer, uh, but we're not. We're going to keep bringing you content throughout the summer as we, uh, as, you know, while we're waiting for these shows to come back. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're going to do yet is not 100% decided, but trust me, we'll have it all figured out before these seasons come to a close. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I was, I, I waited till the last minute to watch Arrow this week. Cause again, I knew about what happened and kind of didn't want to see it. Didn't want to watch it. So I started watching Gotham. So, uh, yeah, I'm almost done season one. All right. I, I've gotten I mostly gotta through in. cause I know a couple people out there were asking when we're going to hit Lucifer and iZombie and, and preacher, Gotham. Preacher's yeah. not far off, Gotham, uh, and all that stuff. And uh, I figured it was time for me to start uh, doing my homework, because I am current on iZombie and Lucifer, so that's not a problem. But uh, Gotham, uh, I think I gave up on on episode four. Yeah, it's right around when I did, too. And uh, I will say this. Um, i actually kind of enjoying it. I, uh, I'm enjoying it a little bit more than I thought. I mean, I think, again, all these shows, you treat them kind of like as their own universes, kind of like Elseworlds kind of look at these things, and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm actually finding that the the mob stuff that they've been doing in the show has been quite a bit of fun, and uh, you know I know a couple friends out there that really do love this show, so I thought it was uh, wise to get back into it, check it out because I've been hearing some really good things about season two, and I will have to do the same now at this point. Good <laughs> so, old Netflix man, uh, but yeah, but I mean, I, like you mentioned, you know, I Zombie Lucifer Lucifer, which just got renewed for season two, by the way, it did. Yes. And we know um, iZombie's coming back for season three. So iZombie's coming back for season three. I got to get caught up on iZombie. Uh, you mentioned um, Preacher, which is going to be starting. And at some point, I think Powerless is going to be. Uh, I think that is a fall or spring show. Uh, okay. I, I, I want to say I'd... that might be I might be fall. So we've got we, we can potentially look at, uh, you know, another, you know, five shows to do. And we'll figure out how to do that. Uh, you know, we'll definitely figure out how to handle all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but with that being said, that's going to wrap things up for this uh, Secret Origins section. So time to move on to the DC Essentials where we let you know about some DC news as well as make our weekly recommendations for things we want you to check out. Uh, Not a lot of news this week. I think the biggest piece, obviously, was the fact of the death of Laura Lance and the spoilers that happened with that. But yes, um, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stories that we can tell about people being very mad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, lots of those stories that were uh, floating around the news circuit. So B- but there were a couple things. things uh, I'll, I'll throw mine out there and then I'll let you throw yours out there, too. Okay. Um, the one piece of news I have is that Wonder Woman will hit theaters sooner. Plus, DC is going to be putting out two untitled films uh, that we you know, we don't know. It. Obviously, by untitled, we don't know what they're going to be based on. Uh, but Wonder Woman has been moved from its June 23rd, 2017 release date set to hit theater sooner on June 2nd. So about a three-week push on that one. Uh, two other untitled movies based on DC Comics as well have been slotted by Warner Brothers for October 5th, 2018 and November 1st, 2019. And I wouldn't so, be surprised if one of those ends up being a Batman film. I really would not be surprised. 
No, I, I, me neither. I mean, I know one of the things I've heard rumor of is that obviously, with, in addition to Ben Affleck starring as Batman, they also want him to direct. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's like one of the things we talked about last week. And uh, my guess is that 2018 movie might very well be a Batman flick. So, and if that's the case, I am totally on board for that. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's uh, and that's going to be based off of the. Affleck and uh, Jeff John's script, and uh, yeah, I think that could be pretty awesome. Yeah, me, me too, as well. So, uh, what do you have for us this week for news? Uh, there again, like you mentioned, there wasn't much. Uh, there has been some rumblings that Warner Brothers may release the R-rated extended version of Batman vs Superman in theaters to kind of help boost the box office totals, which uh, has already passed over seven hundred, uh, you know, million, which is nothing to scoff at, but. Uh, well under, I'm sure, what their projections were. I'm not quite sure. I think you and me were both saying I was were not quite the idea of the like, fans of them doing that. I'd rather just watch that at home. Um, you know, again, still enjoy the movie, and I, I do think that that uh, extended version is going to fill in a lot of plot holes. And uh, I'm kind of curious to see it, check it out, and I. But I think it's a that's a better watch for home. So. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's something I, I'm on board, too. I mean, I, I wasn't crazy about Batman vs. Superman, but I definitely do want to check out the extended version because I, I, I want to see if what they took out would have enhanced my my viewing of the film. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like we definitely see, like, a character like Steppenwolf, who is a big uh, character in, like, the New Gods time frame that's been working with uh, Darkseid, showing that he gets into Lex Luthor's head, makes him very crazy and insane, so... That gives you good reason and cadence to understand why Luther is the way he is. Something that I thought was very important to the film that they kind of cut around. Instead I of did, so, yeah, curious. I did see rumors and, and rumblings online too about the fact that there's a, a theory going around that this version of Luther might have also been a clone. Yeah, um, the it's that very idea of that Alexander Luther story that if you remember Death and Return of Superman, that redheaded uh, Lex Luther with the long hair. Uh, that was uh, palling around with Supergirl. Um, a lot of people are wondering if this may be uh, that character. And they did kind of even say in the movie, they brought up the name Alexander Luther like that. They also kind of said, kind of treated it as like the Lex Luthor Jr. So it makes you do wonder if they really needed to step this back. They did right away for them to do it and say, no, here is the real Lex. This is his bastard son who was a clone. They, yeah. could, do, they could easily do that if they wanted to. It's a comic universe. It's not, it wouldn't be a shock. And, uh, so it makes a lot of people out there that weren't a fan of Eisenberg. Um, it gives you a little bit of hope still. So, yeah. Uh, you know, as far as some other news stuff this week, uh, we didn't bring up last week that Suicide Squad was going in for a reshoot. Jai Courtney did speak out and so did David Ayer saying uh, the rumblings of it about being adding in more humor are actually very false. Um, they said what everything is they've been doing is they are shooting for three weeks to add another large action sequence to the film and to flesh out another one that needed some work in the editing kind of idea when they were sitting down cutting the film together. So this sounds like it has been planned for quite some time, as we kind of brought up last week. You know, these these ideas, it does really does take some serious time and money to schedule this stuff together. So this is not a response to Batman versus Superman. And just, again, a spruce up exactly as we brought up to you guys last week. So that has been confirmed. Uh, we also did see that Andrew Kreisberg came out and spoke a little bit more about the potential for an alternate reality Cara Danvers in the Flash universe. Yes. And they did say that is very possible. So the fact that there very well could be one out there. And, uh, and, and it I, may not I, actually be Supergirl. It may be no, Power I heard Girl. it may be Power Girl. Right, which would be really cool to see. Yes, so, it would. Uh, which has kind of been the Earth 2 version of Supergirl. So 
I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see the fact if they got a chance to play around with that idea, I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think this is also um, a, a good backup to, I mean, obviously we saw the cancellation of Constantine, but we didn't see the end of Constantine. We saw him pop up again on Arrow. Uh, rumblings and rumors that he could show up on Legends of Tomorrow. This could be a way to save Cara Danvers if by chance Supergirl does get the cancel. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't because I am actually starting to enjoy the show. Um, but if the show does get canceled, this could be a way to bring Cara Danvers still onto the television universe, bring her into Flash's Power Girl. Yeah, I think it was a nice kind of saving point in building that up as a background. So that's, yes. I think that's kind of exciting to know that she definitely will have a future some way, shape, and form. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, I think the last real, well, two well, two little things here. We do know Arrow's season uh, four finale is definitely filming as we speak. And the title of that episode is Schism, which is kind of funny. that This just popped just a couple seconds ago while we were in the middle of recording here, and uh, which I kind of even mentioned before, that I'm wondering if we're going to see a schism between the team for the end of it, and uh, that kind of hints at it, so kind of curious. And uh, last but not least, uh, there have been major rumblings this week that Warner Brothers is also really taking a deep look at the Warner Brothers films and what to do to make sure the, uh, the critical reception doesn't exist for the other films, and it sounds like they may have an answer as similar to Marvel, where they will be having a actual true... Uh, runner in this, uh, you know, DC Cinematic Universe. And that sounds like that name that will be kind of like our ver- uh, the DC version of uh, Kevin Feige is going to be Jeff Johns. So very exciting. Very exciting. I, I am okay with this. Um, Jeff Johns can do no wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he, he is an amazing, uh, amazing mind when it comes to building a bigger universe. And uh, he's currently doing that with Rebirth right now. And uh I think um, having him being responsible for doing this, because we do know he is kind of like their big liaison for the films, but has, doesn't have a lot of actual power in a lot of decisions made. Um, this sounds like this could change that very quickly, and I think it would be very wise. So, And I think another thing that needs to happen for these DC films is uh, we need to share directing responsibilities. I think we mentioned this last week. Um Zack Snyder is a good director, but he obviously there are certain things he's not getting right with these films. I think similar to the Marvel films and the Star Wars films, um, I think we need to share directing responsibilities and kind of change the mantle every film. I don't think we need Zack Zack Snyder behind every one of these films. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, I I think what we're going to see is we'll see him step back in for Justice League, um, you know, because that's already in production. But I think come Justice League too, I think we could see somebody else step into that role. I would not be surprised. There's been some rumblings that George Miller could be that man because uh, he was previously attached to a Justice League film uh, quite a many years back during the big writer's strike time frame when that got kind of pushed aside and he ended up going on to doing a film called uh, Happy Feet. So, and, uh, <laughs> you know, thankfully he's come back since then and has made things like Fury Road, which is a lot of fun. I know a lot of people don't view it as much of a Mad Max film, uh, but it was still a me, great, great, me. great, great me included. I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. It's a the... great it's a great film, just great. not a Mad Max film to me. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I think um these could be some really two very big smart, smart moves to have George Miller step back into a role somewhere whether it's as a producer or director for one of these upcoming films or uh just even having Jeff Johns there really kind of tightening the reins on everything and making sure cuz he loves DC Universe, he loves these characters so much and uh you know he would want to do right by them so i think it's a wise move yeah exactly but that's it for the news 
Cool. So we can then now bring up our essentials for the week. Uh, Rob, I'll let you go first on this one okay. uh, just so I can kind of time because mine kind of ties into something else. So I'll, I'll use it to tie into the other one before we wrap. Uh, for me, uh, because of watching uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans this week, uh, one of the things we didn't mention at the end of that film in the credits, they actually do their little spoiler mid-credit point, and you see Terra flying up to Titan's Tower, um, which made me really geek out, because if you know that character, you know the storyline she's re- you know actually related to, which is the new Teen Titans, the Judas Contract, written by uh, Marv Wolfman, and uh, George Perez uh, was an amazing illustrator on it. And uh, one of the great Titan stories, and uh, probably the most famous, I would I would assume, to for most people out there. If you're not familiar with it, this is a great jumping on point. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. So Judas Contract, I really recommend just finding a way of picking that up, whether you pick up the paperback trade at Amazon or head over to Comixology. It's an awesome story, and really excited if they decide to actually adapt that as one of the next upcoming films. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too, because, again, I'm, I'm not too familiar with these storylines, so I'm enjoying going through them and, and learning more about everything and, and becoming familiar with everything. So, uh, But my recommendation for the week is not a direct DC recommendation. It's more just a uh, a nice little shout-out to Paul Blackthorne, who we interviewed, who obviously you would know as Detective Quentin Lance from the TV show Arrow. Uh, he has a documentary out that he both written... Uh, he had both written and directed uh, that I did watch before we got the opportunity to speak with him on our other podcast this week. Uh, it's called This American Journey. Uh, it is right now only available on Amazon for rent, uh, but it's a cheap rent. And uh, after speaking with him about it, uh, they do plan to make it available on a free platform sometime in the next upcoming months, uh, whether it be um, YouTube or Netflix as well so if you want to wait it out if you don't feel like paying the you know a couple bucks to support them uh you know you can obviously wait it out a couple months and you will see it pop up but it is a uh i got a lot of great feedback from him when i even brought it up he was very proud you could tell when i brought it up he was very proud of this documentary so for that reason alone i'm making that my recommendation for the week uh what is the documentary about uh i'll read you the synopsis actually Um, As children, British actor Paul Blackthorne and Australian photographer Mr. Pasquale both fell in love with America. Uh, Later, they fulfilled their dream to live here, but after two wars, a near-economic collapse, and uncertainty about the country's direction, these two began to have doubts. Was America still the great place they once dreamed of? Uh, They drive off across America to find out, interviewing random people about issues that affect and confront us all. Uh, From the ghetto to the gun show, which is absolutely true after watching it. Uh, The courthouse to the cattle yard, they are touched by the wisdom and insight of the people they meet. Uh, This American Journey is a cinematic postcard from the people to... from from the people to the people teaching us that hearts can be healed at the most unexpected times and in the most unexpected places uh it is a movie it's full of diverse characters and it ha it shows that even with the turmoil that's going on right now with people running for president and, and such uh which is a good reason why he actually wants to re-release it on a free platform uh with the presidential election coming up uh it shows that this country still has a lot of heart behind it yeah, very cool. I, I got to check that out. That sounds pretty good. So, yeah, I um, it, it's definitely a highly recommended uh, 
highly recommend a documentary to check out. And awesome. on top on top of that, uh, I of course these now we're going into our cheap plugs before we wrap things up. You know, uh, the interview with Paul Blackthorne will be available uh, coming this Monday, April 11th, which by the time you're listening to this will be either tomorrow or already released. So um, it is part of our podcast the showcast on the next level podcast network uh so you can check that out at www.nextlevelradioonline.com and just click on the show tabs for the podcast and you can find it there as well as dc primetime all the other podcasts that we do you can follow us at nxt level radio on twitter you can email me at ben at nextlevelradioonline.com and of course dc primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com yeah, and uh, you can always check us out as well on CaffeineCrew.com, and you can find us uh, on Facebook and Twitter at just Caffeine Crew, or email me at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. It's been mentioned before, if you want to reach out to DC Primetime, again, that email is dcprimetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, big thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music for our intro music and our outro music. And uh, just as a quick uh, nod to everybody for next week, when you want to follow along, we only have two episodes, but we do know what our third talking point is. Ben, what is that? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot we were going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do something a little different. It is obviously another nod to uh, a DC property, that being Batman. But rather than watch an animated film or one of the old DC movies, we are going to watch the documentary Bat Kid Begins. Yeah. Which is something I've wanted to see for a while, especially after seeing everything about that story. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it's the story about how there was a kid with cancer who was uh, his make a wish was to be a superhero. So through a lot of public outcry, they turned San Francisco into Gotham city for a day. And the outcry from the public all across the country was so fantastic that they turned it into a documentary. Uh, so I'm looking forward to watching this and I will have tissues ready. Yeah, I will too. I'm very, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Uh, this was a new story from, you know, about two years ago, and it's had so much heart to it, and the fact that there is a way now to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, I think it's going to be something very special. So something very different from us, but something we thought that was very important to touch on. Yeah, and if you want to watch along with us, it is available on Netflix now, so you can check that out and listen to what we have to say about it next week. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps uh, issue 12 up. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, Once again, real quick, special thanks to Paul Blackthorne for that quick but still cool as hell promo that he did for this podcast so and uh you know we'll take him up on his offer to get him on the show at some point over the summer so uh but yeah that's gonna wrap things up for this week's episode of dc primetime we will see you guys around the bend take care peace